welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and I can sympathise with this film. Every time I podcast with Dean, I also want a harakiri. <laughs> and I'm Dean Jeffrey, and I'd rather be cut up like a dead fish than try to slice myself open with bamboo. And today we're breaking down the samurai classic, Harakiri. So, Harakiri, released in 1962, directed by Masaki Kobayashi. Have you heard of Masaki Kobayashi? Uh, only from the usual suspects. Not that person. Then no. Masaki Kobayashi. You're really struggling with that first name there, Hendo. Because I, I so want to get to Kobayashi really quickly. <laughs> Masaki Kobayashi. Uh, do you reckon when he went around, he's like, I am Mr. Kobayashi. <laughs> uh, no, because that's in English, Hendo. His other films that he has done, they include Samurai Rebellion, which is sitting at 8.4 on IMDb, but is clearly not in the top 250 list yet because it only has 10,000 ratings, as well as his Human Condition trilogy, which the first two films both have 8.5 and the third one has 8.8. And the only reason they're not in there is because of the low votes of about 6,000 each. What the fuck? Yeah, this guy's got some big hits that not a lot of people have seen. Yeah, probably not hits then, are they? Uh, 6,000 people putting it in like, as an average of 8.8. I mean, this is what ha- happened with Harakiri. It took forever to get in there because it took forever to see these films and rate them. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy impressive. But the story of Harakiri is when a ronin requesting seppuku slash Harakiri at a feudal lord's palace is told of the brutal suicide of another ronin who previously visited... He reveals how their past intertwined and in doing so challenges the clan's integrity. Starring Tatsuya Nakadai, Akira Ishihama, Shima Awashita, Tetsuro Tamba, and Rentaro Mikuri. Nice, Endo, nice. So while filming this film, Tatsuya Nakadai was afraid during most of the sword and spear fighting scenes because they were actually using real swords. Because they're real steel. What the hell's wrong with these people? I know. I was going to complain in a scene later on where. Uh, the guy goes to cut off someone's head, and it's so obvious he stops. <laughs> yes, and I was yes, like, that's seriously, right. that they could do better there. But then I was like, oh, that's real. Like, why don't you stop sooner? <laughs> <laughs> so Tatsuya Nakadai was a, tr- a stage trained actor, and sorry, is Natsuya Takadai? Is he the main character? Is he a Hanshlo? That's right. And the other actor, Rentaro Makuni, which who one's played he? Ca- Counselor. Counselor Palpatine. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they could not agree on an acceptable speaking voice when sharing the film stage. Nakadai spoke loudly and Makuni spoke softly, each citing their related acting experiences for their choice. They strongly disagreed with each other to the point where Masakai Kobayashi halted the filming and stated that he would not resume until both of these actors came to an agreement. It took three days. I mean, grow up. I mean, they're meant to, Absolutely. Be, they're meant to be samurai. Start acting like them, you know? <laughs> Well, is, doesn't that go with the theme of this film, with samurais not really being, you know, respectful samurais? Nah, it's all a facade, Hendo. But this was released in Japan on the 16th of September in 1962, with a runtime of 133 minutes, with a tagline of, there are two sides to every blade, one for the enemy and one for suicide by Harakiri. I mean, am I wrong, or could that be cleaned up a lot? Like, there they don't are have to two say Harakiri. Sides, yeah, they could say, there are two sides to every blade, one is for the enemy. Yeah. You know, you don't need to be like, and the other one is for Harakiri, like the name of the movie. <laughs> All right, there's, considering this is, uh, you know, a Japanese from the, from the 60s, there's no recorded budget and the gross worldwide says $15,000, so I think that's wrong as well. Surely it's millions of yen. <laughs> but this film was entered in the competition category in the 1963 Cannes Film Festival. Wow, that's some category, Hendo. It lost the palm door to the leopard, but it did receive the special jury award, which is a big deal. But not as big of a deal as the palm door. That is true. I mean, if it was that special, it would have won. Am I right? Would have been not just not as special as the leopard. Have you heard of the leopard? Isn't that no? No, I haven't. <laughs> You're trying to think of something. I mean, <laughs> move I on, gonna, I was going to be like, isn't that that new movie with Wonder Woman coming up? But it's not even called Cheetah. So Ooh, yeah, and that's why I didn't go there. All right, that's why I didn't say. But it. you still had to say it, didn't you? Well, I'll cut it all out, Hendo. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, what about that? <laughs> So Tatsuya Nakadai said that out of the hun- over the hundred films he has done, this was his favorite. Okay, favorite film or favorite filming experience? Favorite film. Okay, good for him. Yeah, we. I don't. I have not seen any of his other films, so I can't. I can't compare. Yeah. All right. Scores, Dean. What do you think? 
Critics or audience? Critics. And is that because you saw the, the specific trivia that said that this is a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? 100% <laughs> I wasn't even going to bother asking you the question on that one because I know the trivia was so small for this. I'm like, Dean would have had a rummage through this real quick and seen that I one. I did. There was like eight <laughs> things. I was like, oh, and I was going to struggle to filibuster at the start <laughs> of the next episode. <laughs> uh, we'll just have to make it up with the breakdown, won't we? But the audience does have it at 97 as well. So, you know, it's pretty good. Metacritic have it at 85. Letterboxd have it at a big 4.5. Damn. But let's take a look at the history of Harakiri in the IMDb Top 250 list. This will be short. (laughs) You would think so. But actually, this debuted into the list in January of 2007. Very low into the list. It dropped out again because it was so low. Came back in around that same year. It peaked up to, you know, around 230. Dropped out again. Came back in. It did a little bit of that, you know, bumping up and down. It dropped out finally in 2008 and then came back in in 2011, where it started to make a surge. It got up to 180, and then it just mysteriously dropped out. And I believe it would be that because IMDb must have put in some criteria that you needed to have 25,000 votes at that time. So it dropped, it got, it got cut out of the list, and it gets to the journey we, we talked about a while ago, where after it's 25,000 votes, it came back into the list at number 29. And since then, it has dropped down to number 33 with an 8.5, over 39,000 votes. That's insane. Like, I had forgotten how high up this film was. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, this is the uh, the only film, I think, in the, the top 100 that I hadn't seen, purely because when I went through the top 250, got all those done, and then all of a sudden this film just like, bang, straight at 33. I'm like, well, okay, I have to watch this film, and that's why we're doing it. That's why I picked it. I just, it just felt weird having this one little blip on that uh, top 100 list that I hadn't seen. Yeah. So why don't we see what we think of Harakiri Dean? Let's get into it. I like how it starts off. Setting it up, the intriguement of the samurai just showing up to their temple. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're missing the opening shot here, Hendo. Do tell. The movie starts as it ends on the shot of this, you know, majestic AF armor. Yes, but the the themes and the meaning to this uh, armor are much different by the end of it. Yes, of course, because it starts mm. out and this is like something to be revered. Mm. This is like unobtainable honor. You worship at the feet of this armor and what it represents of, you know, Bushido. Yeah, and how quickly uh, we will change our minds in the next uh, two hours. I mean, quickly is a is a stretch. It's no 90-minute okay. film, I, 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 reckon I, could, I reckon I could sum up your final thoughts already just by this, this one small conversation at the start here. You think so? I think you're going to have a lot of uh, good positive things to say about the themes of this film and the way it's done, but there's going to be points where it was very slow, very boring... I feel like you're going to add those two combinations together. And what's that going to give me? A, a hendo? A hendo? <laughs> what? <laughs> what's that going to give me? A hendo? <laughs> I feel like I, I, I'm already going to pull a three stars out of you for this one. Hmm. Interesting. How wrong you are. You're going to change it now, aren't you? <laughs> this film wishes it got three stars. Oh, no. <laughs> nah, I, I jest, I jest. Hey, did you notice the lightsaber sound here? No, because there was no lightsaber sound. That didn't exist yet. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so we need to reword this. Did you notice in this scene how much Star Wars ripped off this sound effect and used it for their lightsabers? No. I'm telling you, the opening has a clear lightsaber. All right, I'll take your word for it. I didn't hear that. Were you even watching the opening of this? You didn't even want to talk about this. You didn't want to talk about the armor that it opens with, with such intrigue and smoke and... Nah, let's just skip. Someone's walking into a gate. That's much more important. I wanted to get a gauge of what you were thinking. If you were going to bring it back to that to ah, the armor, bullshit. I knew for sure bullshit. that you had involved yourself in this film a little bit more than usual. Why do you say that? You say it like I don't get involved in these movies. How quickly you forget in the mood for love, Hendo? Are you saying that because it's just an Asian film? Don't be so stereotypical. I'd say wow. it's more comparable to Rashomon. <laughs> wow! Your last your last wow. discussion on Samurais no, I, and Rashomon I, I don't, would be more I, applicable to this. I was more just thinking how much I got into that film. But uh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking the Asian aspect of it. No, you should be thinking about the samurai aspect, a la Rashomon. Yeah, that was a bit of a letdown, wasn't it? It definitely was. What do we got? Voiceover. I must say I welcomed the voiceover. And then I quickly did not welcome it because of how much exposition it was throwing at us that I was, you know, furiously trying to write down. Because <laughs> the, problem, the problem with starting movies, and which is always why when I do notes, it's so heavily leaned towards the start of a film because you don't know what's going to be important. This is why I've always tossed up between watching it twice 
Just watch it. Watch it through the first time. If it's if it's a first time watch, watch it through. So when I go back and watch it again with my notes, I know what the important things are to write down. And we did. We talked about this on our Rebecca episode where we just that first what, half an hour when they're on holiday. It's like we put there so many notes about nothing. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, that's probably the best way to do it. It's uh, just time. It's a time factor. Yeah, it is a time factor. We have this- lives. This film, speaking of having lives, this film took me hours and hours and hours and hours from start to finish. It's much harder to break down, like jot down, you know, break down worthy notes of a subtitled film. Yeah, because the notes are there, like the names are all there. And you're like, all right, write all of these names down. And then it's like, wait on, who was that? Who was that? No, but the reason it took took me so long, I... Like, I started watching it, you know, probably like uh, five o'clock yesterday. I didn't finish it till about 11 o'clock. I got interrupted a lot. That's about the same as me. I think I started it more towards seven, but uh, yeah, about the same time I finished it. Yeah. So, did you also jot down that it was 4.30 on the 13th of May? And now I was you suddenly, going to. And now, now you suddenly realise how relevant that information is. <laughs> I was going to. Then I'm like, actually, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Also, it was a hot day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't wear so many robes, guys. Maybe take a layer off. <laughs> no wonder the armor's sitting there not being worn. They're dying in there. <laughs> I like that they, they set this up. This is set during a peaceful time. All the samurais, uh, they're all they're usually on retainer, especially with Hanshiro here. He's, a, he's a re- on retainer for the Fukushima clan. Hanshiro. But he, he can't find any employment because everywhere is they're at peace. There's no war going on, so there's no use for samurais. Yeah, you got to feel for these warriors. Like in all seriousness, they are you know brought up, trained, disciplined to be these warriors. When there's no war, like there's only so much fan making they can do. <laughs> they love to make their fans, don't they? Like what would to they a, do? To a, to a degree. What would they do? It's boring. They would teach young children to be samurais. Ah, the younglings. So what I really, really enjoyed about this film, this film is the the general storytelling and how it cuts back. You got the multiple different timelines going on here. Where you got Hanshiro talking to the counselor about his predicament at the moment. He's you know he's in poverty. He wants to go out the respectful way, the samurai way. Uh, he wants to harakiri himself rather than live in the poverty and. You know, starts to, we start to hear the story of Motome as well. Yeah, as and it's we coinciding get, with this conversation. Yeah, and we get we get it from the counselor's point of view. You know, yes. and I mean the actual structure of this film is phenomenal. Like yes. it really is structured so well. Like you are so invested all the time. They do a very good job at keeping their their cards close to their chest and reveal them at the exact moment they want you to to realize what is going on. Yeah, but you know, even when even when the counselor here asks Hanchulo if he knew Motome, he's great. He's just I think Hanchulo's facial expressions here. I mean, you could say this for most of the samurai in this film. They don't give away a lot. I mean, Motome does, but Hanshiro <laughs> is very much just a brick wall, his face. Like, he's not showing anything he does not want to show here. And when he's just like, I mean, there's 12,000 people. Like, I, I can't be expected to know everyone. Yeah. I I don't know if it was here or if it was a little while later. It might have been a little while later, but I thought I'd bring it up here. I can see where Hero got a lot of its, uh, what's the word? Inspiration from. Okay. I, d- I didn't think of Hero when I was watching this. You don't think of the the samurai who comes to the temple to speak to the king, I guess, and starts to reveal his story as he goes along that he's there for other reasons, mainly to kill. I mean, now that you say it like that, I can see some faint resemblance of similarity. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just differences between me and you, Hendo. I didn't immediately go to Hero when I was watching this film. One thing I did like was that uh, when we see <laughs> when we see Hanshlo actually first walk up and request to use their forecourt for Harakiri. When we hear the counselor's flashback, Motome says word for word. Word for word. Word for word what we've already seen Hanshiro say. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, especially after he says I didn't I didn't know who this person was, yet nah it it certainly doesn't add up that you you don't know this person. Yeah, and then once once uh, Motome comes, they they have a little conference out back, and they're just like, 
that, that what's the main guy's name? I, I didn't have it at this point. The, the counselor? No, 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 no. Counselor is counselor. The guy that ends up chopping off Motome's head. Omodaka. Yep, let's go with that. Yeah, Omodaka. Um, he's great, Omodaka. He is so stern and so rigid in his ways. Like he's a genuinely threatening presence here. Where the counselor is not a threatening character at all. He comes across as a bit pompous and you know, more, you know, his bark's louder than his bite. Definitely a lot, uh, very meek, uh, especially when you start to get towards the end of this film. Hmm. But this isn't the way, like, they, they talk about samurais being respectful and honour the code and that, yet the way they're going about it here, like, I think it's the counsellor's aide is the only one here who's really, like, we don't want him to perform, you know, seppuku at our gates. Like, let's just let's just give him a little bit of money and send him on his way. And they're all like, no, we're not yeah. doing that, obviously. Because then everyone people are going to, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a valid point, but- they definitely go about it the completely wrong way. I mean, they they humiliate this guy yeah. on the pretense of honor. It's 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 ridiculous. Like even as we continue on with the Motomo story here, when they're about to perform the the seppuku, I find it easier to say seppuku than harakiri. When he perform, when they're going to perform the seppuku, and he starts talking about the traditions of it, and you know, we we've strayed away from the the way we used to do it. Where, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. would wait. It's like, no, but we're going to do it that way this time. Like, yeah. And it's like when they're saying, oh, it got to the point where they were barely stabbing themselves and they, would just, they wouldn't even have their short sword there. They'd have a fan there and it would yeah. basically just be a beheading. They're like, nah, we want to go across and then up. Like, they want two full slices. Jeez. Um, How do you even get to that point? Yeah, I mean, that's tough. They, they used a great analogy, though, when talking about the money. They said, uh, if we do that, then they'll come like ants drawn to a mand of sugar. <laughs> I was like, that's nice. good. Visual. So, how we're presented with Motome here throughout this story, because we know nothing of this guy, and and like you said, this is from the the perspective of the counsellor. He's, he's, you know, you don't understand why he's trying to get away. Obviously, you think he's getting away because he re- like he's a fraud, and he obviously doesn't want to do perform Harakiri. Yes. He was he was there to try and get a quick buck. And like even when he's he gets summoned, like he's going to have an audience with Benesuke, and they offer him to go have a bath, put some clean clothes on. When he's there by himself, he's like he's so happy. He's like, oh, oh yeah, this is, this is great. Like, and it's so good seeing it at the start from this perspective, and then seeing how it actually is. In like his what mind. he's going through, yeah. Yes. Yep. And that's what's re- like the storytelling in this film is fantastic. Yeah, it is because it changes how you view events that you've already seen, which is yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And then, yeah, then he another guy comes in and gives him the white robes to change into. Yeah, that's Omodaka at this point. Yeah. But it, he's talking about honesty and all that sort of stuff as, as a samurai. And when he comes in and Motome's like, oh, I was told that I was going to have a, you know, a council with Benesuke. He's like, I, that that never happened. I never know what you're talking about. It's like lying already. Like he knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. But this, but I, I, I mean, Omodake here is just like, you know, we were going to, we, we want you to join our clan. But obviously when a, when a man decides to tear his belly open, it must be such a profound decision. There would be no point trying to dissuade him. It's, oh, he's such he's, a prick. He is. He's so, he's just toying with him. He knows this guy has no options now. But the counsellor, we do cut back quickly to Hunchro and the counsellor in the present time. And Hunchro laughs. And he's like, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I came here to die. You, he does a little the motion with the whack across his across his stomach. He does it a couple of times. Yeah, definitely signifying yes, this is what I'm going to be doing, which is not wrong. Mm. See, even when Motome asks, like, just give me give me a day. I like he's he's adamant. I promise I will be coming back, and he is genuine. He would come back because this is what he he he's done. Like he just he knows. I mean, he just, he's, I mean, Hanshiro later will say, "You guys never asked why." Uh, he will come back. I'm I'm not as convinced as Hanshiro. That he would come back. He is, he is a samurai. He This is a respectful thing for him too. But I think he, he wants to go back to explain what is going on. He said he was going to get some money. He needs to go back and tell them what is going on. He didn't... You know, you know what I mean? Like he's not he didn't go no, there I know, initially. I know I know that version of events. And I know yeah. that Hunchro believes that. I'm just not sure I believe that when you see how scared this guy is, he is scared of dying here. He but he scared, does it with a bamboo sword scared, still. He is scared of having to cut himself open. I don't I can't see this guy returning just to be killed. I think he ends up being scared of what he's fallen into, and especially when they show the bamboo sword. Like if he was sitting there 
with a with a regular blade, he would be able to do it. Like he he literally like falls on the bamboo sword to kill himself here. Yeah. Like he 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 has that respect as a samurai and the Bushido code that he actually does it. So I think he genuinely just says, "I will need to. I'll come back. I need to basically go and tell my family what I've basically got myself into, and I need to do this." Yeah, I I mean I still think that just running away, like he's trying to run away, and there's samurai at every point. Keep running, run through them, like. But that's not an honourable way. He knows he's going to get cut up. Yeah, he's going to die. But that's not the honourable way. Ah, uh, I don't know. It is hard to sort of get your head around that. Yeah. Um, you know, that they, yeah, dying honorably is such a big deal. But these guys do see that the, the swords are, you know, made of bamboo. They're bendy. Yeah. I got to say, very well crafted bamboo to fit so nicely yes. inside the sheets. <laughs> and it's it's just more for us here to think that this guy's just full of shit. Yeah. And what what absolute pricks. Let's, let's, use, let's give him the bamboo blade. It's like they know exactly... Like, yeah, because this- because a, a samurai's blade is, uh, you know, a part of his soul. Uh, these guys are terrible. Uh, yeah. I, I, it was a fantastic scene. Oh, like, mate. Went- very close to my excellent. Yeah, I mean, at this point it was. Uh, uh, really? Yeah. No shit. Like, when he lays on that sword to push it into himself, I'm like, oh, like, an actual visceral reaction from me. Like, Jesus. Yeah. It very he rough. really struggles this whole time. And especially when he, like, looks at him, he's like, you know, do it. I cut my head off. He's like, no, like, more. It's like, God, you really want us to hate you, don't we? Great performances. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Motome is so good here. Did you, at this point, think that uh, Hanshiro knew him? Uh, I'd probably say no. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I didn't think so either. It's, it's later on when he does, when he actually reveals it, I'm like, oh, shit, this is yeah. where we're going, are yeah. we? Yeah. And I feel like the story that he's told here is more, at this point, to really drive into Hunter, like, is this what you want to do? Like, well, he I'm gives telling him, you. He gives him an out. He says, yeah. listen, you can just leave quietly right now. Don't worry. All good, mate. And he's like, nah. And he's like, he gets offered the new robes and he's like, uh-uh, nah, no way. Um, you know, I don't deserve them. This, my my attire is befitting of a Ronan. This is good. But also, but also, he doesn't want to wear the attire of this clan who have done this ridiculous thing. I mean, they're just white robes. I'm not sure how clan they are. Oh, I think they would have their things on it, wouldn't they? No, nah, no things, just white. No, no things. <laughs> no, no EE signs. See, at this point, when he requests to get uh, Hikakuru in, this is where I thought, okay, he's on a mission here to kill the specific person. Which person? The person who's not there? The first person that he summons to to help, like to help him with it. I'm you- like, this is a very oddly specific that he requests this actual person here. I thought this is where it's going. It's some, it's, it's some sort of revenge mission that he needs this actual person right next to him to kill. Uh, I didn't know that it was a revenge mission. I thought maybe he had poisoned these people that he's trying to contact and what it is doing is prolonging his stay there until they will like him or be honoured enough by him so that they he would join. Hmm. I didn't think oh, wow. at all. Uh, yeah, I did not that's... think at all revenge at this point. Like you said that. Okay. Well, you, did, you said you said that you didn't realize he knew Motome until he was talking to Motome. So how can you think at this point it was a revenge thing? I didn't think it was revenge for Motome. I thought he had some other agenda that he had some revenge going, and that's probably Unrelated where I got the hero Motume. vibes from. No, I didn't think it was Motome at this point. Just a, another samurai. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what it was about. Kind of dumb. Like, you're fucking dumb, right? <laughs> Uh, I know I've got you when you just resort to insulting me. It's like, yeah, yeah cool. you are. You have no arguments. <laughs> so here, he, here's where he drops the bomb that he he does in fact know Motome. He is uh, he is of some acquaintance with him. Yeah, cue shock looks and music. This was a great yes. moment. Oh yeah, I must say the the way that Kobayashi has shot a lot of these scenes. This, there's a lot of like Dutch angles in this film. Do you notice yeah, that? Yeah, there's a lot of like uh, like drop the coffee mug moments in this film. <laughs> you know, like whoa, and this was one of them. We didn't get enough uh, feet walking along and then becoming like really good walking feet, nice and straight. Took you a bit. Took you a minute. Well, you said feet, and I immediately went to Tarantino. I was like, <laughs> uh, have we talked about Tarantino yet? Because we will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Hero wasn't the only film that I thought of during this. Ah, uh, yes. The Quentin Tarantino Presents Hero film. Yes. It all ties in. Uh, so, we've got Motome as a strapping young 15-year-old and Huntro's daughter, Miho, at 11. Did you like Miho? 
as the eleven year old. Okay. She's barely in it. Okay, good. I wasn't sure where you were going there. Um, yeah, how good are their huge, huge bows though? He takes forever to load that bad boy, doesn't he? He's shaking as well. Like you can tell, yeah. this is an actor here and not a samurai. Like, relax. And he's a terrible shot, by the way. He does. Does he hit the the target? Like maybe on the tip? He hits it. He doesn't hit a bullseye, but he's he's well, got a he's form. got about ten arrows in this target. Yeah. Yeah, and he hasn't hit a bullseye at all. Lift your game, Huntro. Anyway, I just like their bows. Also, how good is their dedication to thongs? <laughs> Like, I would love to do everything in thongs, you know? I do a lot in thongs. Sure, why not? Let's, you know, have epic sword battles in thongs. you got to wear sense. socks, though, don't you? Do they have socks on? I have, they have to have socks on. Okay. I don't think they're just cruising around in a couple of flip-flops, bare feet. Nothing wrong with that. No, I didn't say there was. Okay, so we've got new character, Janai. Yeah, we also find out that Hunchado's uh, wife had passed away seven years ago, and he's basically raised Miho by himself. Yeah. And Mot- Motome is Jinai's kid. Yeah. So we're we all know, tied we know, together here. We know immediately that Motome is extremely close to yes. uh, Hanshiro, regardless of the events that are going to follow here. And the events of what he's already described here happen now, where uh, their leader, basically Fukushima, goes into exile. Yeah, you at, know why. Uh, Kawana Kajima. Yeah, he, he gets forced into exile because he had unapproved castle repairs. That's bad. That is insane. Like we thought our government was bad, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we had 12,000 retainers who were just out of work. Yeah, yeah. So, Janai commits harakiri. Because Fukushima's going to do it, and he knows that- uh, He'll want some company. Not so much company. He knows no, he's that he's doing it for Fukushima so that he can, you know, accompany him into the next life. Yes, but he also knows that Hanshiro will also do it if he doesn't, and he doesn't want him to do that. Yeah. But his dying wish is that uh, Hanshiro look after Motome. Ah, how did that work out? Poorly. Yes, poorly is the word. And in fairness to Hanshiro, he does swear on his life that he won't fail him, which he will fulfill. That is true. Everything comes back here. Here's this this moment here when Hanshiro, you know, obviously he requested Hikakuru and, oh no, he's he's really ill. He's very ill. He He's not here today. I like the counselor's response of, ah, yes, maybe he was overcome by the recent heat. Aren't these warriors? <laughs> like, come well, on. <laughs> well, as we see later on, maybe these samurai aren't as, you know, good as we expect them to be. Hmm. And even his reaction here, was, when he's like, ah, oh, he's not here. Oh, uh, no, he goes, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> he does it all the time. It's awesome. I was like, what is he doing? And the subtitles read, well, well. And he goes, yes. oh. Oh, I thought awesome. Uh, so what, what does he do? He requests the uh, the next one, the Hayato ya- Yazaki. Yazaki, who's also ill. Yes. And at this at this point, when you hear oh, the two people he's requested have been uh, fallen ill, it's like, no, you super sus bastard. And then he requests, uh, you know, Master Kawabi, and it's like, oh, surely it's not possible. He is also ill. Ho ho. Yeah. <laughs> and that laugh. It's like you sly bastard. Yeah, but he, the counsellor sends his trusted uh, advisor out to actually find out what's going on. Yes, and uh, obviously the results of that will come at the end of the film. Yeah, but the counsellor, you know, for his, you know, in fairness to him, he's just like, all right, enough's enough. Do it. Yeah, like he's been playing too many games now. Hunter is a great debater, though. But even the, the counsellor gets a little bit lippy here as well. He's like, yeah, when Hunter is like, I specifically requested one of these men, and he's like, are you deaf? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, geez. Now he gets all the men surrounding him, starting to get a little uh, little tense at the moment. It is, but I mean, if I was the counselor, I would just, I would be firmer and say, listen, you do it or we attack. And he's like, well, if you attack, I will fight back and I might injure some of them. It's like, seriously. Like, yes, when we know now how that's going to go, but surely you just let that happen. Like, mate, enough's enough. Yeah. I mean, how many people are there? Like, at least 20. Does everyone swing their sword at once? No, they like to fight one at a time. I mean, it's just classic movies, isn't it? Now we get this somewhat seedy guy coming over saying basically he wants Hunchiro in the flashback to sell uh, Miho to someone who will then on sell her to a rich lord and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he's going to be a concubine. What is a concubine? I've heard that word I, before. I didn't look it up. I might do that right now. I mean, you're meant to be doing the research on this podcast, Hendo. If this comes up with illicit content, I'm blaming you. Better put it in safe in, uh, was it safe mode. Is that what it's called? Incognito. Thank you. I knew you would know. 
Uh, it is a woman who lives with a man but has lower status than his wife or wives. Okay. So it's like a mistress. Mistress. Maybe. Fuck toy? Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> Probably. Hmm. Yeah, but Hunchiro doesn't want that. So he goes to Watame, who is a teacher now. And he has a very, you know, standard request. Like, why don't, why don't you uh, take Miho as your wife? Surely it should be happening the other way. Like, Motome should be asking the father for his daughter's hand in marriage. Not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, but he, he I under, does I understand explain. why. I understand why. Yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah, he, he's not, he's not very well off. Yeah. It'd be too dishonourable to take a wife in his poor state. But he does it anyway. They get married. And they, have a, they have a kid. King or... King or... Yeah. Very strong name. This kid's pretty good. Sleeps very soundly on bamboo flooring. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make a noise. Their beds look terrible, by the way. Oh, that'd be, that'd be a rough time to live. This is where they mention about the samurais going in and offering Harakiri and then getting the job and then everyone else is going to the different places and getting paid money for it. And their stance on it is very different to what they end up doing here. Obviously, uh, Motome mentions that it is a despicable thing to do. And it's here where you start to think, oh, like, what... What turned them around where they both end up doing this? What did you think was going to be the reason? Haven't we already discussed this where I don't watch movies and try to guess what's going to happen next? I really don't. And it's not it's not a conscious decision I make. I'm just more in the moment. Maybe that's why I'm more of an emotional viewer of film, whereas you're more analytical. I'm okay with that. It's not a knock on you. I'm just saying maybe that's why. Because I, I really be invest, whereas you get your, you know, your big boy brain at the back going. It's never at the back. It's always at the front. Well, see at, at this point, <laughs> see at this point when he said that, and I was thinking, why? Why does he change his mind? I thought it had something to do with my theory was that he's he's going to have his wife die, and he would have to take care of his kid. Didn't think the kid was going to get sick or anything. Wow, easy to say once you've finished a film, though, isn't it, Hendo? Oh fuck it! I'll show you my <laughs> notes. All right, I'll, the time stamp and everything. All right. <laughs> Do you reckon if we uh, put our notes up ever on Patreon, anyone would read them? <laughs> <laughs> they'd get one page in and be like my god this is boring <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yeah, so Miho just gets sick just just coughs up blood yeah that was really rough uh, I'm not sure uh, Huntro's reaction he says something odd about how her, her frail body was was something she, he says she has a really frail body I was like Jesus mate okay no okay I've got it I got it he says she has a frail body because he's made her work for so long she literally we see what work she's doing she's folding paper <laughs> alright sorry but you need to toughen up a little bit uh, we, we have failed to mention uh, maybe she has a fa- frail body because you didn't chip in for a mattress for her mate yes that sore back that back is gone <laughs> we failed to mention that I Hanshiro, we get a lot of uh, a lot of a look into like his human side as well. Like he's not just a samurai who's like very strict and proper. You see him here with his grandson, with Kingo. He's very loving to him, and he's very, you know, he's a very loving father and he's grandfather a top here. Granddad, yeah, he is great. Like he is, we relate like we relate to him a lot more here as a as a human character. Yeah, because he is so robotic or rigid in uh, the temple. These scenes are really great at actually, as you say, humanizing him. Yeah, exactly. We see Motome is getting very desperate now. He's out looking for he's looking for work, and they're really like scoffing at him because he's a samurai. Like you can't be seen out here doing this. Yeah, he's too good to be doing the you know, labor or work, but he can't get any other work. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a damn shame. So he pawns his swords off. Yes, and that's where we we realize why he has the bamboo swords later on, which is uh you know a bit disheartening. Because when you think about how, what they thought of it, like he's just this fraud, this prick fraud who's, you know, trying to scam a buck. And, he, you know, the bamboo swords really, really did him in. Mm. And now Kingo's sick as well. Yeah. Hunchro, he races over, obviously, to have a look at Kingo and berates Miho. Like, why did you just sit by until it came to this? Like, maybe be a bit nicer to her. Maybe she's sick as well. Yeah. Maybe she got one too many paper cuts. That's funny, because that was my initial reaction. But then when he said, what the doctor say? And she's like, uh, awkward. He was like, oh my God, you haven't taken him to the doctor? I was like, yeah, no, nah, berate her. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> no money, though. No, of course not. So this is where Motome says he knows this uh, money lender that he wants to go see. Did you ever think there was a money lender? Or did you think this is where he's off to do his seppuku trick? Oh, for sure. For sure, I thought he was off to um, go to the temple, yeah. Yeah. And clearly, when he just doesn't come back. I think it's. I think this is good where 
they're waiting on him and, you know, they hear the steps always at him and there's just nothing. It's just silence. And yeah. But he does come back. In pieces. Hmm. I mean, allegedly, it did look like the body had a head. I'm just going to just yeah. saying that. Like, it didn't even look like he, like, did they just cut halfway through his head as like a sign of disrespect or something? No, in I just. The Pez dispenser look? I just think it was probably easier in the 60s to have an actual <laughs> person instead of a make a body and make a head. Yeah. I mean, these, these pricks are really rubbing it in here. Yeah, and they start out not so bad. Like, I didn't think they were rubbing it in, but when they're... Well, like, one of them literally laughs, and you're like, okay, these guys are the worst. Uh, yeah. And Huntro, again, great performance by whatever this actor's name is that you've said so well so many times. Um, he is, He's just, like, just mortified. Like, he's so shocked, like, okay, he had bamboo blades, so someone lent him a blade, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Miho shows great restraint here mm-hmm. Waits until these people go And then just breaks down And you get Hanshiro Hunch- here He's he's annoyed at himself For not pointing his sword Instead like this this stupid sword Like well, I don't even need it Why do I have it I could have done it instead I thought that was he's great Blaming himself Yeah that's great it I thought is. that was a great um, revelation Of you know Moment of introspectiveness from him Just saying like Why do I care about these swords like, I could have sold them. I wasn't strong enough, like Motome, to actually realize I could, you know, sell these pieces of steel to help my family. Yeah. Um, he really blames himself here. And especially after Kingo uh, unfortunately dies two days later and Miho follows suit three days after that. They didn't last long after that. And so he's got no one. He's by himself and clearly he accuses the clan of poorly handling the Motome situation. That's the big reason why he's there. Like, you guys, you could have done something different here. You didn't have to humiliate him. You could have just... A simple asking of why he had to leave would have, you know, uh, cleared up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This this bit here where we do get back and it ends with the uh, reveals of the, the top knots, or at least the two top knots at this point, uh, is my... Excellent! Yeah. I wasn't too sure if we are going to have the same one this week, but yeah, exactly. Nice. I wasn't sure. This was either. such a great reveal. No, this was such a great reveal. Yeah, it, it's this, fantastic. This whole this whole part here is is so good. Yeah, I, I think the dialogue is amazing. The back and forth, and even the power, you know, shifts that are going on here between the counselor and Hanshiro is yeah. it's it's so good because this here is a guy who's on his knees, surrounded by you know twenty thirty samurai. He is in complete control of this situation. Mm-hmm. It's massive. Absolutely. And the way the 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 camera work as well, where they're, they're they're doing the zoom ins and the and the sound. We mentioned the sound before, but the sound in this film is is so good for a, you know a nineteen sixties Japanese film. It's it's well, fantastic. for any film, Hendo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But because it's you know set in that like, because it was made in that time as well, like it compares to films from these days too. It holds its own. Yeah. But of course, we need to know how we got these knots, these top knots. So we're gonna see the well some of the story of this, and you see when he's following his first attack this this samurai who's been who's been pegged he's the guy when uh motome was running through the the temple he's the guy who's like he'll you know he's one of our greatest swordsmen he'll carve you up like butter yeah like he's, he's the one yeah when he is being followed here and he hides behind that that uh wall yeah they, they cut they, they zoom in on his face and he is like shit scared yeah, he is, but I still was expecting a, a great sword battle at this point. And I love the sort of reversal on that where, nah, he's terrible, and he, he cuts his top knot off. We don't see that. This is the one where he go, he runs at him, and it cuts. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the second guy, yeah. Like, he's one. Of, he's supposed to be one of these amazing samurais, and he is terrible. He is, like, backing against corners and getting thrown around the place. He do, he's got no chance. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is great. Hey, when you think of uh, someone cutting off a samurai's top knot, is there any particular movie or scene that springs to mind? I mean, I feel like you think you're talking about The Last Samurai because that's what you always talk about. Yeah, in the last of this The stuff. Last Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that scene? I don't, but I knew that's what you were talking about. Oh, it's great. That's great. You should watch it. <laughs> See, this is part of the reason why I didn't say, let's do top five samurai films, because I knew what your number one would be before you even responded. (laughs) Yeah, what are we doing? Asian films. I mean, is The Last Samurai set in Asia? Does that count as an Asian? No. Oh. Might need to readjust my list on the fly again this week. It is our (laughs) top five films of Asian cinema. Ah, how pompous. It was purely so you couldn't put that in the list. (laughs) Okay, Omodaka. He was more difficult, though. He found him. Yes. And 
he's too honourable for his own good because he walks in and he's got him dead to rights here. His sword <laughs> is on the other side of the room and he could kill him right now, but of course he won't because he is honourable samurai. Is he though? I mean, he doesn't kill him now, so yes. Okay, I mean, he hasn't really shown any honourable okay. tendencies at all. This moment, he is honourable, yeah? Yes, he is. Okay. But they get to a duel, and man, this this looks fantastic. Oh, it's this whole so amazing. The wind, the wind blowing. Wind. Yeah. And it's not just for it to look good. It has a reason. It has a purpose. Like, Hunchero talks about the wind and how he used it to his advantage. Yeah. And I also like that it is a slow-paced uh, fight scene, especially by today's standards. And also, we know who wins this fight. Yes. But still, it is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I love how he talks about how you know taking the top knot is actually harder than taking the head. Yeah, like, and but, it's, it's, but it's just as disgraceful. No, it's more disgraceful. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, more. It's more disgraceful. Um, but even he he calls him out the bushido code. This whole thing is bullshit yeah, in their this, house. Because, yeah, don't yeah. don't breeze by this. This is his whole point. Yeah, He's this is great. All three of these you know legends of this temple are lying. They're all claiming they're ill. They're all shirking their duties. All they're doing is waiting for their head to grow back. Yeah, and it's fantastic. I love how he just throws it all back in their yeah. face. The way of the samurai is a facade. And then he laughs yeah. like a maniac again. Yeah. Much like in uh, Rashomon, actually. No, nah, he does it better here. He has purpose for it. Sure. Even the counselor agrees with you. He calls him a maniac. Doesn't want to hear any of his shit. He's just, he's just accused his whole clan of being you know, like liars and pieces of shit. Let's kill them. Kill him now. And uh, here's where we get Kill Bill. Yeah, we do. Big time. Yeah. And they even have that that fence in the middle. I was like, I wonder if they're going to do the running up uh, up and down the fence. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. But no, it was there. It was there. Definitely a lot of inspiration in Kill Bill Volume One for from this scene. Absolutely. I and I think this is this is you know I guess somewhat realistic. Like he he holds his own and he somewhat gets some- realistic. No, it's yeah. not. Uh, he when is, you're looking at, I he don't know how the samurai is hurt a lot, and then yeah. keeps having like right snap back to 100 percent health, and then oh, uh, oh I'm I think so he pushes sore. himself. Then, he oh, pushes no, himself. I'm fine. I can I can fight like an expert again, and then oh, I'm so sore again. It starts to it starts to get a bit you know out of whack when he starts to you know fall down or whimper away, and no no one goes for the slice. Then they're all just they're all very wary still. Like, Now's about the time, but some of the some of it is really good. Like when he slices that guy's head, and he just like that guy's just standing there, blood pouring out of his head, like really just trying to maintain himself. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah. One other bit which we um, skipped over quickly is when they actually start this fight outside. Before we first see the swords clash, we actually cut to the counselor inside. Like yes. it goes real quiet, and he's just nervously just walking around sweating and i thought yeah. i thought at this point honestly i thought the next thing we were going to see was huntro you know victorious run into this room yeah that would be ridiculous i mean yeah it would be that's why i thought this was going though so i was very happy that it did actually go back and we saw a fight scene yeah it just shows how weak and meager this counselor is where he hides behind his his retainers and you know can't really fend for himself speaking of hiding behind things uh huntro really Really, uh, yeah, he loves this armor that he finds, doesn't he? Inside, well, he this armor is the you know the honor of this clan, and he treats it like a piece of shit. Picks it up and turfs it. And again, these samurais who boast about you know integrity and honor and how good they are and that have to kill him with guns. Guns! I nearly fell over. Not really. I was sitting down, but guns. Like they come out with guns. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like they can't even take down this one guy. Like these samurais are. Not good at all. No. And then the, the cover-up, the cover-up from this counsellor and that, like the dark shadow that comes over him where he's like, yep. he died, uh, you know, he, he, he performed Harakiri. He's, he died honourably. Everyone who actually died here, they fell ill. Go out there and tell those other three to kill themselves. One of them did. Go out there and tell them to kill themselves and we'll tell them that, tell everyone that they were ill. And even like his aide is like mortified and he's he's like- He's yelling at him. He's like, "You, you know, you know what this, what has to be done here. You, you fool. This, none, none of this, yeah, none of this can come out. Like it just shows the cover up and the despicable nature of this counselor and this whole clan of samurais. They're just, they're fake. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because what Hanjiro said is true. It is all a facade. Yeah, and the journal read at the end showing the, you know, the armor that is now just this weak and hollow, disrespectful piece of steel. And he's talking about how they. They got praised for it. it Just remember, Hendo, history is written by the victors. Mm -hmm. Cue Braveheart music. (laughs) (laughs) 
And that is it for Harakiri. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on Harakiri? Yeah, I, in my mind, maybe it's because I studied Japanese for so long, but in my mind, I'm a big fan of samurai films, and I feel like I've seen a couple recently, not naming names, Rashomon, that sort of make <laughs> me question, like, am I actually a fan of samurai films? Like, do I actually like this stuff? And it's so refreshing to see a film like this that reminds me of all the things I love about, you know, films about Japanese culture, about samurai, about these, you know seemingly indestructible men, but peeling back those layers into the fact that, yeah, they live by different virtues in theory, but these are still just normal people like me and you. Uh, the the whole bringing him back down to reality by giving him his family, throwing a young child in the mix really did add to that, you know, sympathetic nature for Huntro here. I, I loved it. I thought... I don't think it was slow. You said I would think it was slow. I didn't think it was slow at all. Um, I really, really got a lot out of this film. I'm not as high as, you know, some people as I say it's whatever number 30 in, on the list or whatever it is, but I am going a very strong four stars. Very good. Okay, what a step up from Rashomon this was. Hey, No shit. Clearly, I know how to pick the better films. Silence. That's exactly what I thought. This film is... A very, very, very good film. Uh, first time watch for this uh, this breakdown. What really appeals to me with this film is its its style of storytelling. It is so meticulous in the way it plans out what information it wants to reveal to the audience bit by bit, so that your reality is skewed as to what what things mean. The whole story with Motome at the start gets skewed completely when you finally see exactly why he did what he did. You go from despising this guy to having so much sympathy for him in the span of, you know, a couple of sentences, essentially. The characters, the good characters in this film, your Hanshiro, your Motome, they are acted superbly. Tatsuya Nakadai, like, take a bow. He was so good as Hanshiro. He holds this film from being the stoic natured samurai who has his plan at this clan to the revealing the flashbacks of him as a human with his daughter and his grandson and how he acts with them and the emotion he has when he, you know, the stuff that happens, happens to him. And on the other side of the coin here, you have the clan who, who think they're respectful and think they've got this code, who think they're, you know, it in a bit. And they're just, everything they do shows the complete opposite of what they're trying to portray. And it it really works well as a duality between them and Hanshiro and Motome and what each different samurai has as their respectful code. I think Kobayashi really sh- uh, showcases a great looking film as well. Black and white cinematography, the way he uses these certain Dutch angles to, to you know, to show the character traits, the the fight scenes as well, especially, you know, in the out in the fields with the wind. It looks it looks it looks really, really good. I agree with you, Dean. It is a strong four stars for me too. Very nice. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where is Harakiri going to sit on your rankings? All right. Uh, let's start around a four-star mark for me at number... Let's go 36. Let's look at Logan. Uh, I don't think I don't think Harakiri is as good as Logan. Uh, next up, we have Fargo. I don't think it's as good as that either. Uh, Unforgiven's next. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as good as Unforgiven. Next up is Aliens. Ooh, I mean, we're getting close now. Probably not as good as Aliens, though. Next up, we have The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I think it's better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So, Harakiri will be my new number 40 out of 76. All right, let's start at the top of my four stars with The Thing at number 43. And I do think that The Thing is better than Harakiri. And then we get to In the Mood for Love. And I think that Harakiri is not as good as In the Mood for Love. Then we get to Amadeus, and I think that Amadeus is better than Harakiri. And then it gets to The Wolf of Wall Street, and Harakiri is better than The Wolf of Wall Street. So I am going to put Harakiri as my new number 46 out of 76. Fair enough. All right, before we continue, we'd just like to say that this show is brought to you by our awesome patrons who've been supporting us for over two years now. I mean, I'm never going to get sick of saying how awesome how awesome our patrons are. Am I, Dean? No, definitely not. And gee, when you say more than two years, that's that's pretty crazy. So we really do appreciate it. Yeah, we do have several other series going on over there, including uh, several different director series, such as Quentin Tarantino, for example, 
We also have film series over there. We have patron requested reviews. And at the moment, we are going through a series of patron requested reviews. And this week is from our awesome patron, David Powell. And he has selected Coherence. Nice. Nice. Uh, Yeah, this looks like a a bit of a different film here, Hendo. Film I've never heard of. Uh, I don't know anything about it. He said specifically, don't go looking about anything about it. Just go and watch it. So... That's what we're going to do. Absolutely. So if you'd like to join up, we've got different tier levels from as little as a dollar a month. Just head over to patreon.com slash the movie journey. All right, mate, it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Where we have our awesome patrons send in reviews for the films we break down. First one here from awesome patron Chris Beardsall. This is by far my favorite first time watch while being on this journey with you guys. This is just impeccable filmmaking on every level. The story caught me by surprise many times and the pacing is so good I didn't even notice the length of the film. I enjoyed this so much I immediately ordered the Criterion Blu-ray after watching it. It's very rare that I do this on a first time watch, but I'm giving this... Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. Damn, Chris. Wow. That is big. That's high praise, Chris. Jesus, I'm glad you really enjoyed that film. But, of course, we always have... Shane! Now, Dean, Shane wasn't too keen on Rushman like us last week. No, I feel like I should prepare myself for a one-star review here. All right, let's see what we've got. All right, who would have thought, after Rashomon, that the next historic black-and-white foreign film pulled from the IMDb Top 250 would actually be good? Oh, oh that's there nice. we go. Not me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I was especially thankful for Harakiri being able to be easily understood, furthering the argument that it's not my inability to understand a film like Rashomon. <laughs> Rashomon is actually just bad. Harakiri is not. While you could say that it covers some similar ground as Rashomon, it is done so much better in every way. I found the storyline mostly compelling, and I was invested in the main characters. There was an air of unpredictability about it, and when the full picture as the hero's plan emerged, I was surprised and pleased. Overall, this was a pretty good watch, and my only criticism would be that it's probably half an hour too long, and it was slow in places. Three and a half stars. Very good. Very good, Shane. All right, let's take a look at the poll I put out to see what you guys think out there. Is Harakiri one of the 250 best films of all time? Dean, what do you think the answer is? No. 71% say no. Is that one of the worst? (laughs) I firmly believe it's because no one has seen this film. I mean, in fairness, if you haven't seen a film, then you don't think it's one of the best 250, do you? And I reckon if people had seen the film, they might say yes. Who knows? But it does put it at number 65 out of 76 films. Ouch. Just one spot above Yojimbo of all films. Ah, Yojimbo. Another samurai film. Thank you, Hendo. Well, we did it over two years ago. I'm surprised if you remember it or not. No, it might show up on my list today. Because you've only seen five? (laughs) All right, mate. Speaking of which, let's get to... Answer my question! The question, jerk! where we asked you, what is your favourite film of Asian cinema? All right, let's take a look over on Twitter here. First one from Magnificently Huge. Nice. Not not you, is it? (laughs) 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 With your fake fake Twitter handle there. (laughs) All right, they say Senjin Suzuki films are always a treat, but especially Tokyo Drifter. Not that Fast and Furious sequel, is it? Nicholas Dubuk Duval says, too many to choose from, but I'd probably go with high and low. Just choose one, please, mate. <laughs> Have you heard of high and low? Uh, who's next, Tendo? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually our good mate, Ryan Utting, who says, Kung Fu Hustle is enjoyable. Well, there is a statement. I watched Stephen Chow's other film, Shaolin Soccer, and it was so bad, it made me not want to watch Kung Fu Hustle. Hmm. Uh, Isaiah Washington says, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Ah, that's a good film. Ray Hughes says, A Bittersweet Life. Have not seen that film. Me neither. Eggs Acid says, Kurosawa's Run. It's just incredible. Fair enough. Matt Neglia at the Next Best Picture Podcast says, Oh my God, this is very, very tough, but I might have to go with Tokyo Story. Isn't that one of your favourites? Sorry, spoilers for your list later on. Uh, no. <laughs> oh no, this is this is the film that you fucking hated, isn't it? This is a film that I have to rewatch. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, don't be nice to it because it's Matt Neglia. <laughs> it's not that. I don't think I've ever heard you be so negative on a film before. Ah, uh, that's not true. You, you have were heard scathing. my thoughts on Persona. You were scathing. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Igmar Bergman films I would happily uh, put below Tokyo Story. Upcoming on screen says, currently shoplifters, but that flip-flops depending on which one I rewatch. Okay. All right, fair enough. Kevin McNamara says, Hard Boiled is my favourite. Little John Woo there. Bit of pass there. Uh, Directed by Women says, By the time it gets dark, directed by Anocha Suichakonpong. Nice. That was good. You got that on the first go. Thank you. Derek Wheatley goes with Ikaru. That's also in the top 250, Dean. Be prepared to watch that eventually. Basti says, The Human Condition Trilogy. Ah, you mentioned that earlier, Hendo. I did. I did indeed. And uh, Basti's also cheated here by picking three films. I'm going to let it slide. Yeah, I'm okay with this one. Seawick Flicks goes with a film that you should have probably seen by now, Dean. Chunky Express. Never heard of it. Folk Told Folk Tales Podcast says, It's cliche, but Rashomon. Is it cliche? I mean, it's pretty cliche, that film, yeah. I mean, it's the first answer we've got of it. Albert Carbar says, spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring. Ronnie Casale says, The Killer. Killer is a good film. Shoot the Flick says, so many good ones. Probably right now, it's Train to Busan. Lastly here on Twitter from Benjamin, French, Spirited Away. Uh, okay, so little criteria for my top five. I actually excluded uh, anime films from my list. Fair enough. You don't class anime as Asian? No, I wanted to highlight. No. Okay. I wanted to highlight some other films rather than just throwing in, you know, your name and Spirited Away, all the ones we always talk about all the time. So you admit your list will be incorrect? No, my list is my list. Your list is Asian film except anime. Right, how many fucking anime films have you got in your list? <laughs> have you got Akira in there? Maybe none. Akira? Akira. Hey, Akira's. <laughs> I could do a top 100. Akira wouldn't make the list, Hendo. <laughs> All right, let's head over to our Facebook listener discussion group. Go on ahead and join up, guys. We've got a lot of good movie conversations over there and a chance to win some sweet, sweet merch by putting in your answer there. And we've got Robert Stewart says, Parasite and Train to Busan are probably the best, but nothing brings me more enjoyment than one cut of the dead. Dean, have you forgotten that film enough now that you can actually watch it? Uh, no, I still remember it. Damn it. Never forget. Wojciech Witzman says, Love Exposure. I haven't seen a second production that is so crazy and unpredictable. This movie is batshit crazy. I think Brother Shane likes that one. I mean, it's a rarity for Brother Shane to like a film. Last one here on Facebook from Scott Murphy, Seven Samurai, Kurosawa's masterpiece, and quite probably the fastest three-hour movie you will see. All right, let's head over to our patrons and see what they have to say. Paul of the Countdown Podcast uh, was a bit annoyed that I didn't have Train to Busan as one of the pitches for this question, but that's his pick. Okay. Uh, Nerdrovert say, I'm trying to widen my knowledge of Asian cinema, but right now it has to be Old Boy. Not bad. Brother Shane goes with Hero. Luke Human says Battle Royale. That's a good pick there. Last one here from Brian Grabianowski, I Saw the Devil. All right, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response. But, Dean, let's get to our top five films of Asian cinema. And as usual, we kick it off with you. What is your number five? Parasite. Damn. Very good. I didn't think that was going to make the list there. Yeah, I'm cultured. I know what's up. Very good. All right, my number five is Seven Samurai. Really? When was the last time you watched Seven Samurai? When I did the 250 challenge back in the day. Okay. What, does it, does it have to be a cutoff? Do I have to have seen the film within the last, like, three years for it to qualify? I, I saw it, when I saw it when I was, like, 18, I, I, I was not high on it. Well, that's, that your, that's, that's your fault. Maybe you should have had a bit more maturity at your age to watch a film like that. My number four, In the Mood for Love. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> not the only thing, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number four is I Saw the Devil. Have you spoken to me about this film? Yes, I watched this film, I think, uh, during... Actually, I don't know when I watched it, but I definitely spoke about it on the show and uh, what else we've been watching segment. Huh, must have skipped that bit. <laughs> A.K.A. all of what else I've been watching. <laughs> My number three is Train to Busan. Yep, I knew that one was there too. My number three is Parasite. Ooh. My number two, Hero. Ah. My number two, Oh Boy. Ah, just missed my list. Fair enough. In fact, it was in my list until I saw Spirited Away was on someone's yeah. list. I was like, holy shit, that is Asian film. <laughs> Number one, Spirited Away. If I did include the animes on the list, then I would have had Spirited Away at five and Your Name at four. But in the end, my number one is Hero. 
All right, and considering there was only one person from our patrons in our Facebook uh, listener community group who picked one of our answers, which was Hero, then I'm going to throw some stickers to Brother Shane this week. Surely he'll start sending them back at some point. And <laughs> no, no, he, he's, he's, he's making a wall of the stickers. He's got, he's got them framed up like, this is the one that I won on the ninth. All right. <laughs> this is where I was when I heard that I won this set of stickers. <laughs> And if you're interested in getting your own piece of Movie Journey Sweet Sweet merch, we have our own shop over on Public. You can go pick up a t-shirt, a hoodie, a coffee mug. There's plenty more over there. We'll leave a link in the show notes as well. So, what's next? All right, Dean, it is random number generator time. What are we going to hit? All right, random number generator, 1 to 250. Here we go. 117. All right, Dean, we've got another Best Picture winner here. Ooh. Yeah. I'm nervous. <laughs> it is the 1960 Jack Lemon classic, The Apartment. Ah, The Apartment. Nice. That's, yeah. a, that's good. I'm happy with that. That's uh, Is that three black and white films out of uh, this, this, whole, this whole month? Three, three picks, three black and white. I have no idea, Hendo. Nah, this should be good. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for checking out this episode. And we'll see you next week for The Apartment. Bye. Bye.